Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. There are not very many moments in life as a sports fan that are more enjoyable than for what a lot of us are getting to experience right now. If you're watching today, you see me wearing my Braves jersey. A lot of you have already noticed in the comments section that I've got my Jock Peterson pearls on. Georgia, number one, unanimously so. There's not a single person in the country, apparently, who gets a vote that doesn't think the dogs deserve to be at number one. Proving it again on Saturday versus Kentucky, the Braves not just winning games in the National League Championship Series, but taking down the, the vaunted Dodgers in dramatic fashion, you know, walk-off wins in each of the last two nights. Uh, Austin Riley, Mr. October, not to be outdone, Jocktober uh, when it comes to uh, Jock Peterson and everything else. That's so much fun. You've got Georgia's biggest rival, Florida, playing like trash. You've got another Georgia rival, Tennessee, playing with trash. It's so much fun to see not just Georgia do well, for those of us who like baseball, the Atlanta Braves, the local team doing well, but also see a lot of the Georgia rivals, uh, folks we don't like very much, seeing them suffer. This is just a really, really fun time all the way around. And the sense that I get, and I got this sense again on Saturday night when we're doing our Dog Nation postgame show from the UJ Bookstore, I get the sense right now that Georgia fans themselves are really, really enjoying all of this too. And sometimes, especially for the off week, right, because – we're going to go hard this week. We're going to give you good shows each and every day of the week. But there's nothing wrong with letting your hair down a little bit. There's nothing wrong with just kind of sitting back and relaxing. We don't have to quite be in such a war posture this week, right? We can, we can just kind of appreciate how things are going. And there's a lot to appreciate from Georgia through seven games and a lot to look forward to through five more regular season games. And who knows what comes after all of that. And I don't think the good mood that Georgia fans are in right now, I don't think there's anything – that embodies that better, more so than the hashtag campaign that we've started and the fun discussion that we've had here, the hashtag JD to NYC, the idea that we're pushing Jordan Davis as a Heisman candidate and so much of the media now has fallen in place in that and kind of taken our lead and getting that conversation going as well. That is just a, a, such a great thing to see. And it's not because I want glory for myself and attention for me. I actually don't. I want the attention to go to Jordan Davis. And it's not, and, and this is what I love about this. So many of you understand this so well, that this is not us saying Jordan Davis is so much more important than anybody else in the Georgia roster. And he's clearly the best player. And this is a superstar and everybody else is just a bit player, a role player in, in, in his you know, hero's journey. That's not what any of this is. We have said this over and over again, and so many of you are so obviously aware of this, your social media messages make this clear, that what Davis really is, is an avatar. What Davis really is, is a, a signal and a symbol of what a team first, come together, work as 11 guys, what this George defense really is. It's about, in some cases, sacrificing some of your glory for somebody else. It's about, hey, I'm going to rotate in and out. I'm not going to be on the field maybe each and every snap. Or I'm going to be doing my job right now so that somebody else can go free for the tackle for loss, go free for the sack. George had, what, another four sacks on Saturday? Uh, you, know, multi, you, know, you know, magnitudes worth of uh, tackles for loss. A lot of this is happening because one guy's getting the stat, but 10 other guys are doing their job, which gives them all a chance to collectively enjoy 
some, 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 some team success and all of that. And so that's what Jordan Davis really is. It's a guy that could have gone to the NFL draft but wanted to come back to Georgia. It's a guy that said from the word go since the season began, he didn't care about his own stats, even though he's putting together a pretty good statistical year. He was part of a blocked field goal on Saturday, uh, had a tackle for loss in his, in his own right. But Davis has said over and over again that let me occupy blockers. Let me, you know, make things hard on the opposing team's offensive line. And, and then N'Kobe Dean and Adam Anderson and all those guys, they'll get a chance to run free. They'll get a chance to have the big stats. Let me set a standard for this defensive line that, you know, guys like Devontae Wyatt and Jalen Carter can also live up to there as well. And we know Wyatt's having what I would think of as kind of an All-American, you know, type year. Jalen Carter, let me tell you this right now about Jalen Carter. If you told me I could have 3% of his future earnings, I believe I might burn every dollar I own. That's how much of a future that I believe that Jalen Carter's got playing the game of football. He's great as well. This is not to say that Davis necessarily stands head and shoulders above them, although literally he stands head and shoulders above almost everybody. This is to say that Davis is the physical representation of the intangible quality that seems to define the Georgia defense, its team first mentality, and its relentless pursuit of the football and its tireless efforts at making life miserable for anyone who try to gain yards and score points against it. Davis is just the perfect avatar for all of that. So when we see this campaign taking shape, it's really just kind of a fun thing to be a part of. So a couple of quick shout out here, and then I want to talk about how this thing has kind of grown here. Uh, you got Nick Moore on Twitter who shared a uh, really cool edit from uh, John Allen, where you see the Jordan Davis uh, face right next to that Heisman Trophy logo. I appreciated Nick Moore sharing that so much. Our, our buddy Frankie Fibonacci, which is kind of a great name, maybe a chess fan, uh, but Frankie Fibonacci has been so aggressive at kind of pushing all of this. That's fun. You know, my dream was to get that hashtag, hashtag JD, number two, two NYC, JD NYC on game day. Billy Mathis shared this with me on Twitter that the, it, the, the hashtag did make its way on game day over the shoulder of uh, Lee Corso. So whoever put that out there, and for those of you who had your own signs that maybe didn't make camera or didn't make camera, I didn't see them, thanks for doing that. But for the person that got it on camera, thanks for doing that. And uh, Billy Mathis, thanks for uh, sharing that with me there as well. Amanda and others shared with me the Paul Feinbaum quote that got put out by the SEC Network, I believe, of touting Jordan Davis as a Heisman Trophy candidate right now. And this is the way things work in the media. National media takes note of what local media is talking about. Local media oftentimes takes its cues from fans themselves, the chatter they're part of, especially in the social media age. And the, the trickle of information actually trickles up more so than it trickles down. Sometimes we think that the national media sets the talking points for everybody. It's actually not quite true. The national media, always in need of content, takes its content clues from what other folks are talking about. You here on in local media who peered in on average fans. And it's really the groundswell of support that gets a lot of this kind of stuff talking. So it's not a coincidence right now, and we're going to roll through, you know, uh, kind of more of this here in a moment. It's not a coincidence this conversation is taking shape here because the national media, their questions to Kirby Smart, their questions to Georgia players, a lot of them impacted by what they're noticing happening on the ground uh, locally, which is a lot more of you talking about Davis potentially being a Heisman candidate. So you are shaping the conversation and you ought to notice that there as well. One more thing I want to show here. Uh, there's a great social media user who interacts with us on Dog Nation. Her name is Chelsea, Chelsea Stevens. She was at the Braves game last night. She got a chance to take a picture right there. Jordan Davis was also at the game there as well. He's got his Braves jersey on. There's no telling 
how big that Braves jersey is going to be on Davis uh, to go around that big body. But you see him there. He looks good. He's got the uh, throwback Nirvana T-shirt on there, too. Uh, my uh, happiness is just through the roof to see Jordan Davis living his best life right there uh, at the Braves game last night, enjoying that, you know, Concurrent to that, Todd Hartley, I guess, was also there last night, too. Maybe others uh, enjoying game two of the National League Championship Series. But that was such a happy thing for me to uh, be able to see. Uh, just really good stuff. Davis clearly having a good time right now. And uh, obviously a big topic after the game. Once again, not because he is head and shoulders the best player on this Georgia defense, but because in a year in which somebody from the Georgia defense ought to be honored for how great the group is playing, Davis just seems like the best candidate for all that. Now, that was very interesting. Kirby Smart's post-game press conference on Saturday. He was asked the topic that we've been hitting hard on this show the last few days. Could somebody on this Georgia defense really be a Heisman candidate in a year like this, which you don't really have a quarterback running away with the award. You don't have that e- easy, obvious rubber, champs, uh, uh, rubber stamp choice. Does the door open for a Georgia defender maybe more so this year? And just given the fact that through seven games, the best unit in the country – has clearly been the Georgia defense. Would that maybe be appropriate? It's a good question to Kirby. Kirby gave an interesting answer. Let's take a listen to that right now. I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I would probably have said before the season that's impossible because statistics lead you to believe that it's always going to be an offensive player. Um, in terms of numbers they put up, You know, I thought it was amazing last year that a receiver won it. I never thought that would happen again. I thought it would be a, a quarterback's world because that's the, the world we live in and play in. But I certainly think that when you look at the draft, People see it different, you know, like what is the Heisman? Is it the the best college football players, the most dominant, is the most valuable? You, you can go through all these different things in terms of uh, that, and we don't we don't really care. We let you guys decide that, and uh, I respect it, but it's not something that we look for. And I'll be honest with you, the guys on our team are so bought into their roles, and as long as they do that, we'll keep getting better. You know, my biggest fear is uh, guys worrying about things like that and, and not the total team success. Now, let me first of all say one thing, and then I'll say something else. That's a master class on how to answer a question like that, because smart begins and ends with, oh, I'm not even really sure. We don't even worry about that kind of stuff. We're worried about just playing together as a team and and not really paying attention to kind of individual awards. Yet he also, over the course of that answer, made it very clear that, of course, a defensive player can be the very best in the country. When you see the NFL draft, which a lot of these Georgia guys will be stars in coming April and then maybe the following April after that for some of these guys, but it's going to be a very heavy UGA-themed NFL draft in the Thursday night part portion of the draft over the course of the next couple of years. Smart says, in so many words, if you can be drafted in the top 15, which some of these guys are probably going to be, then why couldn't you be the Heisman Trophy? You obviously should be a part of that discussion. So Smart demures in part of that answer saying we're not worried about that kind of stuff, but he also simultaneously that makes it pretty clear that yes, a, a defensive player can be the very best in the country. And in a year like this, there's a very good chance that a Georgia player is one of those guys. So very, very smart uh, by Kirby smart on that. And this is also why we do stuff like this in the show. Hashtag JD to NYC. We do this. We do the dirty work. So smart himself doesn't have to. We're like the campaign operative. That's, you know, throwing mud, willing to go negative. That way the, the, the principal can kind of stay presidential. We're going to let smart stay presidential and act like all this is beneath them, but we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to do some hand-to-hand combat campaigning because we do think that Davis is deserving of this honor in part because what smart said there, because he represents a defense who's doing all of uh, 
what it can to be the dominant force in college football this year. And don't think we didn't notice when the conversation with Kirby Smart on Saturday veered back to Jordan Davis before it was all said and done. Once again, very clever, very, I would say, kind of on the sly here. Kirby Smart also, in so many words, really gave voice to why the campaign for Davis is getting off the ground and why Georgia fans are getting behind it as much as they are. Once again, these are strong words of support for Jordan Davis and the role that he's playing and making the Georgia defense as fun to watch as is right now. Uh, Once again, perfectly worded by Smart. Here he is. Godzilla-like. I mean, he's 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 impactful i mean he's the movable object he buys into uh like staying healthy and staying and keeping his weight down he's a really good player and he's bought into that he's like he understands it's important and the young man is under tremendous uh microscope in terms of media i mean for a for a d lineman right maybe not for a quarterback but for a d lineman he's under a big microscope and he's uh he does everything he can to the best of his ability he works hard for us um and he's been impactful in stopping the run and allowing us to play you know alternative coverages that you can't do sometimes when people can run the ball on you so uh he's definitely a bright spot and more importantly he's very um very entertaining in meetings and he's a great personality and people that don't know him should, should get to know him because he's got, he's, he's just fun and fun to be around and embracing. Smart says embrace him there at the end. Once again, smart is just too professional, dignified, whatever word you want to use. He's not going to do the stuff that we're doing right now, which is aggressively pushing this. But also when you hear Kirby smart speak right there, He's certainly not making it sound like Davis shouldn't be a Heisman candidate if you get my drift on that. So once again, Smart sort of knows what he's doing without really doing it. And you got to understand this, though, the way all this works is this conversation post game is happening on Saturday because these are the questions being pushed on the Georgia players and coaches by in a lot of cases, national media. There's a lot of those like national columnist types who are there on Saturday. And they're the ones that are asking this question. The reason why they are is because they're noticing what's going on. They're noticing the way in which UGA fans are having this discussion. We've been uh, obviously thrilled to be a part of all of this, but it's but it's the way in which the, the groundswell of support starts at the local level from fans themselves. National media will eventually notice that, eventually pay attention to it. In fact, there was a question asked in a similar vein to Adam Anderson. Now, I kind of combined two answers into one here just for the sake of time, but asked multiple questions. I actually could have played even more of Anderson talking about uh, uh, Jordan Davis on Saturday, but I'm going to kind of smash two of them together here of Anderson praising Jordan and then obviously saying, yeah, Heisman Trophy, uh, he'd give his vote to him. This is uh, Adam Anderson. Take a listen to this. Bro, seeing a dude that's like 340, six, 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 seven, you know, moving like that, potential like stopping, you know, because a lot of time, a lot of people be like, okay, well, like, you know, is he getting these tacos or so, but when JD is like you know taking three dudes out, you hope you know helping the other person out as well. So like you know just very a team player and also just like the way he's doing even like PAT or so blocking punts like that's that's great. Honestly, like I mean a lot of time they look at the quarterbacks or you know running backs or so, but honestly when you see somebody like Jordan Davis, how can you not have him as Hosmer? So I want you to think about this for a moment. Adam Anderson is kind of a superstar player in his own right, and. There are plenty of players around this country. I won't mention any names, but there are plenty of players around this country that if they were asked to talk about why somebody else should be a Heisman contender, 
they might be a little put off by that. They might be a little irritated by that because they would probably rather talk about themselves being a Heisman contender because who obviously wouldn't want to be the Heisman Trophy winner if you could be? Who wouldn't want to be thought of as the best defensive player on the best defense in the country? Of course, everybody would want that accolade for themselves. That's just human nature. But Anderson, and like I said, I kind of put two answers together there, but I could have played more because there was a lot more from uh, AA in that press conference on Saturday talking about Jordan Davis, that these guys are so happily willing to praise each other, so happily willing to see somebody else get the glory. Davis himself has done that for the rest of these guys uh, a million times. And that's why this is so much fun right now, because this entire discussion, to the extent that it's taking place, this entire discussion is really built around the idea that there is one player that represents what the entirety of the George defense is all about. That is Jordan Davis. Fans are getting behind it. Media is starting to notice it. With the way they're playing on the field, this becomes a more realistic discussion each and every day. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're on all kinds of platforms. We're also at home today as we're in the midst of building a new studio. So I am displaced right now. But as I told our video audience earlier, the Georgia football team itself is a little bit like this, too. I believe they've only got one outdoor practice field right now because of the football facility that's just been uh, completed. So they're in the midst of kind of getting some of that reworked uh, too. So if they can be somewhat displaced, we can handle that here as well for a couple of days before our brand new studio opens. And that's going to be a lot of fun when we see that. Let me also remind you that we're brought today by our friends at Pella Window and Door of George. You know, they can help equip your house with energy efficient windows and doors. When I am here right now, uh, it feels great in my home. And obviously I feel like it looks pretty good on the outside there too. And you can feel that way about your own home there too. When you get those upgraded windows, upgraded doors from Pella window and door of George, they can save you money on your energy bills potentially. They can also increase your curb appeal, which could increase your resale value of your home there too. So lots of good reasons to make the decision to put Pella window and door of George to work for you. Also great savings right now there as well. Between now and October 28th, you can get 40% off qualifying installations or 0% interest if you pay for your project in full within 12 months with regular payments. So a couple of ways for you to get in touch. Go to PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation. Let me read that one more time. PellaofGA.com slash Dog Nation. Or you can give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. And tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said that they would take good care of you because I I know they will. So I don't have any problem telling you about all of that. All right. We're going to do... This thing is a little bit different here right now. We're going to do around the doghouse here in a little bit. And I want to get into one thing in particular from the Georgia offense that I saw on Saturday. So we'll do that coming up in a moment, a little bit out of order. And without fanfare, I want to instead kind of move in here and talk to John Stinchcomb. Of course, a classic city logger insider update with John Stinchcomb and such a great day to have him as part of the program because of another big performance from Georgia on Saturday. John, it's a ton of fun to watch this Georgia team play right now. You know, second half adjustments on Saturday and really putting the screws to Kentucky in the final 30 minutes of this game. And once again, leaving no doubt who the number one team in the country should be. Maybe not a perfect game from Georgia on Saturday, but a decisive win nonetheless. And I'm curious of your thoughts beyond that. What would you see from uh, Georgia-Kentucky? And in particular, what do you like about these dogs right now? What I like is that they're they're battling every chance they get. Every game they come out, and it seems like uh, they outperform leaps and bounds their opponent. And let's let's make no mistake that this year they face some some quality opponents. Arkansas was rated in the top ten. 
this Kentucky team comes in and they're top 15. So it's not like the, the their opponents are weak this year, and, and that's why Georgia's outperforming them. I also think that's why you saw the progression of the game that you saw on Saturday is Kentucky's a good football team. They, yeah. they have, uh, they're playing with confidence. They came in with a good game plan. They know what they like. They know who they are. And Georgia was just superior, which I think is the case uh, for, for the remainder of this regular season, at least, is you're going to have to weather the, the opponent's best punch and, and show and prove that you're the superior team, which you should be able to do. Uh, and it's what Georgia did on Saturday. I also think it's impossible to talk about what Georgia's currently doing without also mentioning the larger context of everything else happening around college football. Another top two ranked team loss on Saturday when Purdue knocked off Iowa. It seems like this really is a year of chaos. And on any given Saturday, almost anything is capable of happening around college football, except for one school that's Georgia, where you've got mystery intrigues running every other game. But at Georgia, with Georgia, you pretty much know there's only one thing capable of happening. It's just a matter of exactly how does it unfold. But Georgia is going to work its way towards a convincing win. That's what they've done seven times already this season. The Clemson game being the one outlier that was closer than the rest have been. But I just think it's so important to talk about in a year in which almost nothing is given. Even the previously impervious to upset Alabama has been beaten already this season. Ohio State's been beaten already this season. Then the team that beat Ohio State got, got beaten. But Georgia's just not a participant in that right now. And I think that when you think about how things are going for Georgia, that's the way you have to think about it. Yes, uh, you have to keep the bigger picture in mind. I, you look at Iowa this past week, lost to an unranked team. Yeah, Alabama, when they were facing turnover that we're seeing across the board, but specifically in this top 10, I really think uh, only highlights the, the success and, and the way that Georgia has played and, and, and puts them in a class to themselves because they continue to show up week in and week out. And what we've seen across the country, that's not easy to do in any year. And this year is no exception. Uh, all the other top teams have either already had flip-ups or they look very vulnerable to and and Georgia's Georgia's the outlier in a good way. Let's talk offense for a moment because I think that for a while on Saturday it looked like we might be heading for one of those games where you finally were able to point your finger and say, oh, that's it. That's the weakness. Georgia does not gonna be able to score enough points to win a championship. Oh, that's the place where you've got the issues. And it seemed like that might be what we were heading for. Sleepy game for Georgia where they don't really put a team away offensively. But then they score 30, and they've done that every game but one thus far this season. Then they get to almost like, what, nine yards per play. Uh, Stetson Bennett's passing totals, he was more than 11 yards per attempt. That the final picture for Georgia offensively, statistically, is really another pretty good one on Saturday. So if we don't look at the defense, we don't look at everything else, if we just look at what's happening with the offense, what do you think of the Georgia offense right now? Well, I think we need to stay away from the doomsday button, right? Because mm -hmm. Georgia fans, the state of Georgia, everybody's like, oh, the other shoe is going to drop, yeah. right? I see you sporting your Braves jersey. And, you know, there's yeah, looking good. Thank as you. Well as, as, Got my uh, Jock others. Peterson pearls on, too. Oh, I love it. I love it. Which, you know, I, all the fans across the state are going, oh, no, what's going to happen? 
And yeah. I, you know, that was the concern when, when you're watching this offense uh, earlier in the year, we're saying, you know, is the run game off? Are they going to be able to run the ball? And then it's, uh, you know, they're playing Kentucky and they've only scored seven and most of the first half. And uh, maybe it's the off, but Stetson Bennett drops three dimes for uh, three more passing touchdowns. And, you know, you, you, there's so many weapons. And I think the uh, coordination, I think, Todd Monken deserves a heck of a lot of a lot of credit mm-hmm. to figure out a game plan coming into a game and make the adjustments that they make in a game. And Kentucky was a great example of that. Let's move on. Talk about the off week here for a minute for Georgia. I want to get into a couple of things specifically, but as a player yourself, I'm guessing you're pretty happy when this week probably arrives, especially for somebody like you that's you know, colliding with a big man on each and every play, your body's tired, you're probably a little bit beaten up. You know, big picture, what's the value of an off week for these players who now get a chance to enjoy one? What's the what's the biggest concern? What's the biggest threat to Georgia's success right now? Injuries, right? right? You, right. you go down the list and you say, this team, if they were healthy, if we have all our, our horses in the race, uh, just think what they would be capable of. So an extra week where you're not getting that pounding, where, you know, those aches and pains and little things that you've been managing for the past two months, uh, you can let heal up a little bit. And boy, Georgia needs that. I mean, uh, yes, the depth is huge and we've relied on it. And the guys have had to step in and step up and have done so admirably. But, but to get an extra week in, in preparation and some uh, physical and mental rehab, uh, that's huge for this team right now. What about quarterback? Because that's the other thing that's going to seemingly be uh, a big focal point now, at least for fans and media, uh, over the course of these next couple of weeks. You know, Stetson Bennett's playing really well. JT Daniels, I still believe, is the unquestioned starter for this team. But how you handle that still matters. I've got some pretty specific opinions about this that I'm going to get into some of you, maybe some over the course of the next couple of days there as well. But let me just kind of touch on something again that I think we hit on last week there too. How are you handling this quarterback situation right now with Georgia? Well, what a, what a great situation that mm-hmm. has been created because of the play of Stephen Bennett. I think that's, the, that's where you start is uh, let's appreciate the fact that our number two guy stepped in and has done a great job of not managing the offense. He hasn't managed the offense. He's taken shots. He's thrown deep balls. He has uh, operated within the offense that coach Munkin has created and done so at a very high level. And uh, recently, I think you can look to a number of teams specifically in the NFL where if they didn't have a second quarterback that was, ready and able to step in that that position has become more and more valued in this game because you have to you have to be able to get to that next guy and not expect your whole team to implode so Georgia has created that just because of a guy like Stetson uh, being a part of the program and ready when that opportunity arose now moving forward you're saying what do you do uh, as JT heals uh, I think this team knows itself better than, than the outsiders do. And I am an outsider along with many of our listeners because we don't know the day to day, but they certainly know um, 
what gives them the best options. And I think a healthy JT Daniels um, is unquestionably that guy. And just yeah. knowing that he doesn't have to go out there and put himself at risk because, uh, you know, uh, we don't have anyone else. Stetson Bennett has done great. And that gives Georgia and really JT the luxury of, of healing, doing it the right way. And once you get healthy, then your opportunity is it, it should be there. So as a fan, I'm hopeful that JT Daniels starts the game against Florida. But as someone who kind of understands the way in which the team dynamic works, I think there's a specific way in which this has to unfold, John. I think that JT has got to, to really step in here and re-win the team back over to him again, not in a competition with, with, J, with, with, with Bennett, but, but as a way of just kind of retaking the mantle of leadership here. And I think the process, the transition by which all this happens matters because, look, Daniels has had a lingering injury this year. There's a chance that even if he's able to play against Florida, that the injury reemerges at some point in time and, and Bennett has to be reinserted back at starting quarterback because Daniels is not healthy enough. If we've dealt with this for seven games, there's a chance that George could deal with this for another eight more, right? I mean, it's just a possibility this could linger. So you can't bury Bennett, right? It can't be one of these things where you're like, ah, oh, JT's healthy, Stetson Bennett, we don't need you anymore. We push you to the side because there's a very chance you may have to go back to Bennett later on, put him back as starting quarterback. And what does the team then think about Bennett if he was so easily brushed aside going into the, to, to the Florida game? It's almost like his value is now diminished in the eyes of some players if he is too, too flippantly brushed aside during all of this. That's why the responsibility here on Daniels is to reemerge without taking any of the, whatever the word, like the heat off of Bennett, right? You know, Bennett is as strong as he's ever been, but Daniels rises his level of practice performance, health, and then performance-wise on the field the next couple of weeks to make it obvious that he ought to get the start where Bennett remains in the wings as a very capable backup behind him. I think chemistry matters when you're talking about quarterbacks. And I think the way in which Daniels reasserts himself, assuming he's healthy, I think that's an important thing for Georgia to keep Bennett strong in the eyes of players, but also give Georgia the guy Daniels, who I still presume is probably the best overall option if you're trying to win a national championship. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And I would argue that it's more important that the coaches see that and feel that. And, you know, this pra the practice is where this will occur, where you – win the trust of the players. But to me, I think it's more important that they win. he wins the trust of the coaching staff mm -hmm. back and that, you know, Stetson's playing at a high level. Yeah. For us to make that shift to transition, you need to prove, in, 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 your, in your scenario, it's to the players. In my eyes, it's more to the coaches okay. that, you know, we have to shift this hot hand. Stetson is, is doing what we're asking and for us to make that transition, I think that's more of a coach's feel, which, you know, you point back to last year and uh, JT, for whatever reason, wasn't healthy early on in the season. Um, and they rode with Dewan early on and then Stetson. And those, those opportunities aren't uh, just floating around for three quarterbacks to get ready for a game. I think this week is probably important if JT is close to get those reps and, and start building the trust back in the coaches, if not more than the players. One more quick final thing on this. What do you make of, and I guess Aaron Murray's probably been the loudest voice on this. What do you make of some of those prominent guys, in some cases, former Georgia players saying, I wouldn't make the change that, that Bennett's playing too well right now. 
I'm not messing with this. I don't really agree with that, but I'm more interested in what you have to think. What do you what do you make of some of the stuff we've heard from guys like Aaron Murray over the course of the last couple of weeks? I mean, I get it. I think part of it is what's been earned by Stetson. Stetson's gone out there and performed great. I mean, he's he's made plays, he's protected the ball, he gives you an option. I think Aaron really likes this part of his game is that he's able to run the ball. I mean, it, he gets out of the pocket and he scrambles and, and does so efficiently. He, he's getting first downs with his feet. And that does add another dimension that JT just doesn't possess. Mm-hmm. With that said, I'm in the camp that a healthy JT Daniels is Georgia's best option. Uh, having seen him play, seen the decisions that he makes and, and the balls that he can throw, I think JT's a healthy JT Daniels is uh, adds another level, another dimension to this offense that Stetson's not able to reach with his arm. Now they, they both have their strengths, but I'm in camp JT. By the way, I should send out some congratulations to you going to be enshrined at the Georgia, Florida uh, hall of fame here coming up. That's a great thing to uh, see. How many halls of fame are you in, John? Are you in the Gwinnett County sports <laughs> hall of fame, Georgia, Florida hall of fame? How many halls of fame are you in? Uh, a, a few. I'm very grateful for uh, for all the halls that will allow me to to, to walk down and be a part of them. So Listen, before my time on this, time. before the, my time on this earth is done, I'd like to be in just one Hall of Fame. I don't know if there's like a podcasters <laughs> Hall of Fame or a, a you know blowhard Hall of Fame, whatever there is. I'd like to be in just one Hall of Fame where it's all said and done. But speaking of Florida, here real quick on a more serious note. I tell you, John, I'm blown away by how Florida is limping into this cocktail party in a couple of weeks. I thought the loss to LSU on Saturday was just flat out embarrassing uh, for a team that had likely, you know, quit on the season. And obviously, we know now that LSU's parting ways that Orgeron. Mm-hmm. I think the Florida's now lost three games before they get to their off week. This is this is really pretty shocking for me, and and not a good look for Dan Mullen at all. No, and I kind of like it. Sadly, oh. I mean, I yeah. You know, Florida. Uh, there's not a lot of love lost from from this end, but yeah, you they have played ugly football. They found ways to lose. Um, it makes me more grateful for the way that Georgia has created a program instead of just a one year one shot. Yeah. Maybe this is it situation. I, this LSU, how it's played out with Coach O, is you know it's really a stark contrast to the way that Georgia has built a program and a system to stay at the top. I mean, you're two years removed from a national championship. You just have a huge win from Florida, and you've already agreed to part ways at the end of the season. I think it shows the, the level of dysfunction um, that can be created even for programs that are able to uh, excel and, and assimilate to the top of the stack. Uh, I really appreciate the way Coach Smart and that, that entire athletic department is building something that's much greater and uh, if, if Florida if stumbles along the way, I'm very, super grateful for it. I want to ask you one more thing here in a moment. I also remind folks our classic city logger uh, insider update with John Stinchcomb here today. And of course, what a great time of year this is. You're watching football. You're enjoying sports of all stripes, including uh, baseball last night, maybe. And as you're hanging out on the couch with friends or wherever you are enjoying all these uh, great fall events, classic city logger goes great with that from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. You know, it's a lager style beer, which means it's a lighter beer, but that doesn't mean there's a sacrifice in flavor. It's a craft style lager. The folks at Creature Comforts that take such great care of everything they do, including being good citizens in the Athens community, uh, they take great care of making classic city lager taste delicious each and every time. In fact, 
Uh, it's a great taste of the city of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to get it. Wherever you're doing your shopping, it's available 365 days a year, all 12 months out of the year. You can pick up Classic City Lager in six or 12-pack cans. So find yourself some today and find out what we've been saying for a long time. It's just good, cold beer. Check out Classic City Lager here today. John, before we let you go, I would be remiss if I didn't get some thoughts on you on what seems to be a campaign that's now sweeping the nation. Jordan Davis as a Heisman candidate being pushed. Seems like the response, national media is catching on and all this. We've obviously had a great time with that here on Dog Nation Daily, doing our part to get that hashtag JD to NYC out there. Uh, Is there anybody more deserving right now than Davis for what he represents for this Georgia defense? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I, you look at it, and I was texting with a, a former teammate with the New Orleans Saints. He's, he's in the NFL. He's coaching now. And we were joking about Jordan Davis, about who wants to block that guy? Nobody. Yeah. What a nightmare he is. And I think it's because of his, his elite special talent. Not only is he huge and a space eater, but Pollock's talking about him running – 19 miles per hour. That's right. He's nasty. Nobody wants to see him. And if you're, if the Heisman is designed about recognizing some of it, or if not the most elite at what they do player in, in college sports, college football, then Jordan Davis name belongs in that conversation. Nobody's doing what he's able to do. And uh, if, you know, do I think he's got a legitimate chance to win the Heisman? Probably not. But the fact that a nose guard, a defensive tackle is in that discussion, I think that's the recognition that he deserves based on his performance week in and week out. He's a nightmare. Yeah, no, it's it's really fun. And, John, I think that's a, a great way to describe all of that. John, I appreciate you being here with us for our Classic City Logger Insider Update today. And, obviously, we look forward to a chance to talk more Georgia football with you in the uh, days to come. So, enjoy your week and enjoy your off Saturday here, too. And then, before you know it, we'll be getting ready for the cocktail party. I uh, well, always fun to, to talk a little dogs with you. So uh, until we get back to, to Georgia, Florida, let's go Braves. huh? That's, that's that? exactly right. I like that all the way around, John. Good stuff. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Good stuff from John Stinchcomb right there. Classic City Logger Insider Update. And I'll say this real quick as we get ready to transition here. So when I do the read for John a moment ago, you know, in the studio, we have multiple cameras. So I'll kind of turn to do the side camera to do the read. I almost did that a moment ago with uh, John right there, kind of turned and did the look. So the problem is here in my home, there is no there is no camera to look at right there. So from that standpoint, I would have been a uh, little bit of a mistake there. But good stuff from John Stinchcomb. And really appreciate him being on the uh, show here today. Also want to do what we would typically do before we speak to John, we'll get ready to do around the doghouse here in a moment. I'll also remind you that before we're done, uh, funny golden shoes to give out today. You can tell that Georgia's number one and we're riding high because like the stuff I'm getting on social media right now, whether it be hashtag JD to NYC related or golden shoe related, in some cases kind of both together. So a lot of the stuff that I'm getting is just fabulous. So we'll do that before we're done. A lot more on Orgeron, a lot more on Florida. And you better believe we'll get to the scenario at Tennessee on Saturday and the embarrassment that all of that was. So uh, that is all coming up. But for now, let's go around the doghouse here today. And I'm actually in my doghouse to do this. That's appropriate. It's assisted by AAA. And when John Stinchcomb, uh, you know, talking about the 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 offense a moment ago and kind of, you know, what he's seen uh, from that group. I really like what John had to say on that. And I think it leads me to kind of a specific point about the offense right now, which is that 
when you look at the way this group is playing, there's a lot that you're intrigued about what it might look like in a couple of weeks. Hey, what's going to happen at quarterback? You know, JT Daniels, presumably coming back healthy at some point in time, maybe reinserted as the starting quarterback and you pick up with a guy that at one point was a potential Heisman candidate himself before the JD to NYC thing got started. Uh, you know, Daniels might've been the guy you would thought of as a Heisman candidate, maybe still a, a very high draft pick. And you think what's the offense going to look like if JT Daniels gets reinserted and you start thinking about, well, how about some of these injured wide receivers? They're going to start getting healthier. There's some I think, hope out there that Dominic Blaylock maybe will play against Florida. And there's, you know, obviously you saw a little bit of Marcus Roseby, Jack Saint on Saturday and, kind of on down that list you go. Hopefully to hear some good news on guys like Arian Smith at some point in time, that that might be something that kind of comes into greater form at some point with more available receivers than Georgia currently has. Obviously guys like A.D. Mitchell and Lam McConkey continue to do really well. The Georgia running game seems to come into form right now. Kenny McIntosh still banged up. He's not playing there, but between Kendall Milton who had the long run on Saturday, James Cook, Zamir White, both had touchdowns. There's just a lot to like about that group there too. But there is one group for Georgia right now that I don't think you have to wait on and say, oh, what's this group going to look like once it gets healthy? Or imagine how good it can be if all these things fall into place. Folks, do not miss the fact that right now, Georgia at the tight end spot is about as good as any offense going to be able to be. And if you're looking for that spot already, before injured players come back or anything like that, if you're looking for that spot where Georgia is already, at that elite high-end clip, I think you have to look at the tight end spot and say that's definitely a spot where Georgia's a finished product and the results are speaking for themselves. Brock Bowers and the two touchdowns on Saturday. Fitzpatrick gets a catch. Darnell Washington gets a couple of catches. This is just a lethal group of tight ends. And as Smart promised that he would, and Todd Munkin and Todd Hartley are following through with, they're putting multiples of these guys in the field together at the same time and opposing defenses are just put into a conundrum about how you defend it. Georgia is as lethal at the tight end spot as any offense in the country. And it was kind of cool to hear Smart talking about that after the game on Saturday. Obviously, pointing out at the end here some of the things that he still wants to see better from Bowers, but nonetheless, acknowledging that, yeah, that's a real weapon right now. Here's Kirby at the tight ends. Coach Hartley's done a great job. First, it starts with recruiting, go get good players, and then get them to buy into the team and buy into blocking and being selfless. And then buy in to making plays when you get an opportunity. I think uh, Coach Hartley, Coach Munkin, the whole offensive staff puts a plan together that off of our play action, uh, our tight ends are weapons. They're size guys. They make plays down the field. And hey, let's give Stetson some credit. He threw a ball in there on uh, on uh, Fitz. I think it was Fitz down the sidelines. A great play. And then Brock's play in the end zone. And then he hit Darnell, which if he had thrown a little higher, Darnell probably would have caught it and ran with it. But those are all good balls, and we've got a good, tight, talented tight end room. And as long as they buy in to the team first concept, then we got a chance to be successful. But uh, Brock missed a couple blocks a day, so I, you know, I had to get on Brock a little bit. He he, he missed a big key block that that hurt us on a a play that probably could have put the game out if we score there instead of having to kick a field goal. And it's certainly fair to point that out about Bowers there at the end. I'm sure that's something that he's going to work on. But another big game for him on Saturday where he catches five balls, 101 yards, two touchdowns. You look at his numbers in the year, six touchdowns. He also has one rushing touchdown as well. 416 total receiving yards for Brock Bowers. Y'all, while I'm having this conversation about what's obviously having the tight end position, it's also important to note that what Bowers is actually doing for UGA transcends 
just that position alone. In other words, it's not appropriate to compare Bowers to other freshmen or compare him to simply tight ends around the country. It's also maybe the most appropriate thing to compare Bowers to any pass catching weapon that Kirby Smart has had dating back to his time as Georgia coach, which stretches back to 2016 through seven games. Brock Bowers is the most dynamic receiving weapon that Georgia has had, at least based on statistics. And I'm comparing him here to George Pickens in 2019, which is the previous high watermark for all of this. And listen, y'all know how much I love George Pickens and how hopeful I am to see Pickens back playing for Georgia again at some point this season because of all the special things that he's able to do. But from a statistical standpoint, Bowers is actually matching a lot of that right now. And given the fact that Georgia still has a chance for eight more games here this year, uh, there is a very strong possibility that Bowers exceeds all of that, that this is a year in which Georgia, because it's been so banged up at receiver, because JT Daniels has, you know, had injury situations that have kept him off the field more than he's been on it. And because of just everything else that's going on in this program, Georgia desperately needed the, the receiving target, somebody to step up. And thankfully there's actually been a handful of them. It's almost like Bowers as good a year as, as he's having part of his success has been partially obscured by what Ladd McConkey's been able to do, what A.D. Mitchell's been able to do. In fact, the Darnell Washington's now back playing again, and obviously he's going to bring a spotlight with him just because of his sheer size. That It's it's almost like Bauer's actually not getting enough credit for just how good he's really been. He's made the tight end group absolutely an elite position group, and he's given Georgia a dependable weapon in the pass-catching game that has been there to save its bacon a few times and 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 really put together an eye-popping year. And I also think it's really cool right there to hear Smart reference Todd Harley in all of this. There's a long list of beloved Georgia assistants. There's a long list of UGA lieutenants that become big-time fan favorites. And right now, Todd Harley is putting himself at the top end of that list with the way that group continues to play. Bowers is a real special weapon. Showed it again on Saturday. And, man, I don't care who's throwing past the rest of the season, whether it's JT coming back from injury or Stetson Bennett staying at the helm or – whatever happens here, you better believe Bauer is going to continue to be a big focal point of everything that Georgia does through the air. That is around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at AAA. And obviously when I'm traveling as much as I am right now, high school games on Friday, we had a fun one uh, this past weekend over at uh, Walton high school, getting a chance to see a very impressive performance in North Cobb or obviously going to Athens on Saturdays, whatever I'm doing when I'm on the road, I'm thankful to have AAA's legendary roadside assistance. But also, AAA can do a lot more for you than just that. I want you to also think about them for what they can do for you in auto insurance there, too. Because when you switch and save with AAA, you can save on average $529. That's big savings. It's a big opportunity for you. So please check them out online. It's aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's aaa.com slash auto insurance. And you can save today. All right, with that, let's kind of transition now into our SEC through. And we're cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean and all of that. We'll talk here about the crazy stuff happening at LSU and at Florida and at Tennessee. So a lot to do uh, around here for their SEC through. And a big thanks to Royal Caribbean for making it all possible. And if you haven't gotten on uh, to check out your opportunity to get back on the seas with Royal Caribbean and one of their beautiful ships, especially those coming out of Port Canaveral right there, not too far from us in, you know, just kind of down the uh, road there from Orlando and Florida on the on the beautiful coast there. Uh, great time to do that with Royal Caribbean and great chance to check out Perfect Day Coco Cay. You know, it's a private island from Royal Caribbean, but man, it's so much more than that. It's only available to Royal Caribbean guests on their cruises. But when you get there, you're going to see it's like the thrill side, the chill side. You've got the 
tall water slide, tallest in North America. You've got the freshwater pool, largest in the Bahamas. You've got uh, floating cabanas if you want to do that. There's a 450-foot helium balloon that takes you way up in the air. There's um, so much great stuff uh, that you can get a chance to experience as a part of Perfect Day Coco Cay. And if you haven't uh, gotten on to check that, you should do that today. Or go ahead and take the step to start making plans for your own vacation. This is an off week for Georgia. Some of you are kind of thinking about, hey, you know, getting on the road or, or getting out and enjoying yourself a uh, vacation again. Well, as you're making those plans for the next few weeks, next few months, whenever else, Think about our friends at Royal Caribbean on that and think specifically about our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority because they're the experts on booking a Royal Caribbean cruise. Uh, so make sure you check them out. Let me give you the information about how you uh, find them there as well. When it comes to uh, Royal Caribbean, uh, the Cruise and Vacation Authority, check them out, tcava.com. That's the website. It's tcava.com. You can see the graph on your screen. I just can't see that from where I'm sitting right now. tcava.com, or you can give them a call, 770 952 8300. That's 770-952-8300. And that'll get you in touch with a vacation expert from the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They'll get you booked on a Royal Caribbean cruise. They're dog alumni, so it's fun to do business with folks who love the dogs as well. So check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority today. You'll be on your way to a Royal Caribbean cruise. All right, a couple of SEC through stories I want to bounce through right now. First of all, the big news, and y'all know I love coaching rumors. We're going to have some juicy rumors now that Ed Orsron is officially out as LSU coach. He's going to coach the remainder of the year there, kind of a classy move for a guy that clearly loves LSU. And obviously this, I guess, helps him save face with that next job he wants to get there as well. But he's gone. And there's a lot that's coming out about the, I guess, kind of erratic nature of Orgeron off the field over the course of these last couple of years. These stories always get told in greater volume. Once a guy is no longer employed, it becomes kind of a now that now it can be told thing. And for whatever reason, we don't seem to do a lot of this kind of stuff while it's ongoing. We do it after the fact. I guess at that point in time, sources are willing to relinquish the information, but whatever. Uh, that kind of stuff starts coming out, and that's kind of the story there on Orgeron. And also, as Athletic Director Scott Woodward has said, that it's also just not winning enough games in the field, too. And, you know, the immediate comparison that you're going to draw is what happened with Gene Chizik at Auburn for different reasons. But nonetheless, quickly after national championship, he was – booted out the door at Auburn and now Orgeron finds himself in the same spot. And I got to tell you, I specifically and explicitly said this would not happen. I said, there's no way that Orgeron's going to go down the Gene Chizik route. There's no way he's going to do that, but that's exactly what has happened. He has just, um, he has just kind of crumbled since winning that championship 2019. And it much like the Auburn championship was maybe more of the DNA of a Gus Malzahn as play caller, as offensive coordinator, and certainly Cam Newton's individual impact in one year there at Auburn. You start to look back on the 2019 year for LSU and say, you know, you had the number one overall pick at quarterback in Joe Burrow. He was working with kind of a mercenary offensive mind in Joe Brady that was quickly out the door after that. Now play caller for the Carolina Panthers. And you, you're left to wonder, well, how much was Ed Orgeron's DNA really even on that uh, championship for, for LSU that season? Certainly maybe not as much as he would like for it to have been true, just given the fact they could not maintain that had a poor defense of that title in 2020 and things haven't really been much better in 2021. Of course they did win on Saturday, but the biggest of the big names are going to be in play here. Obviously Jimbo Fisher makes a ton of money at Texas A&M, but he and Scott Warburton have had a long time relationship. Jimbo has flirted with the LSU job before you will hear his name come up in this discussion. Mel Tucker is going to come up here. Obviously LSU has had success going to Michigan state for coach before you remember that's the path that Nick Saban traveled. 
Tucker's going to come up here. He's winning with the Spartans right now. He's going to get some attention. I even heard about Devil Sweeney's name being brought up here. It's the kind of thing that I just love these kinds of coaching rumors. It is the best currently available job. It's a better job than USC right now for a multitude of reasons. I don't know that it's a better job in Texas A&M, though, the one that Jimbo Fisher currently has. The point is, there were going to be a lot of really, really juicy rumors involving all of this. And you're kind of left to wonder who all is going to have influence over this. There's obviously a lot of boosters in Louisiana that might, but you also wonder, will you know, LSU make a hire like this with the thoughts of Arch Manning and his family? Obviously, Manning from the state of Louisiana right now. I don't think we really think of LSU as one of the prime contenders for him, but a coaching change and the right coach being hired maybe changes a lot of that a bit. And, and obviously, the balance of power in the SEC West impacted by the direction that LSU ultimately goes with all of this, too. So there's a lot to chop up with the Orgeron thing, and we will do that. And, y'all, it, it's just embarrassing for Florida. The fact that Florida loses this game the day before they make it official that Orgeron's not coming back. And part of why, if you're Scott Woodward, why you do this when you do, remember the Dennis Felton thing for Georgia a couple of years ago? It's been more than a couple of years now. A few years ago when – he was clearly on his way to being fired as basketball coach, but once he won the SEC tournament, he couldn't really do that. I remember being on the floor after that game when Georgia beat Arkansas and the weird SEC t- tournament that took place finished at Alexander Memorial Coliseum, which was then known because of the of the tornado at the Georgia Dome. You got moved to Georgia Tech. And I remember being on the floor after Georgia beat Arkansas in that tournament final and then athletic director Damon Evans the look on his face was like, you know, kind of a fake stone face smile. Of, Yay, we won. But knowing that the move that he was likely getting ready to make was not the move that he thought he'd be making. He thought he was going to be moving against Felton probably and hiring a different basketball coach. And unfortunately, at least in, in the eyes of the Georgia administration at the time, that the win for Georgia in that tournament kind of handcuffed them to do what they thought they really wanted to do. And so LSU not opening up that opportunity for Orgeron, not going to give him a chance to save his job by winning some games down the stretch, including the one there on Saturday, making it official that when this season is done, Orgeron's going to be moving on. But as I said before with Florida, how do you go and lose a game like this under these circumstances when, I mean, every indicator you had going into the game was LSU had quit on the season. You know, you can say, well, LSU has a more talented roster than Florida does. Most of the guys that we would point to as saying this is why LSU has more talent, Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley, uh, Keishon Butte, on and on you want to go here. Those guys were not playing in this game on Saturday, and Florida still lost to the crew that LSU did have. And you start to look at, uh, you know, Mullen over the course of his last 10 games, including two losses straight up. Uh, who was it? Um, uh, uh, Aaron Torres said this on Twitter. You start looking at, uh, you know, Mullen over the course of his last 10 games, including two lost to LSU. His record is worse than Ed Orgeron's is. I mean, you're left to wonder, is Mullen on shaky ground as Florida's coach? And I I told you before the season started that for the people who had Florida outside the top 25, I thought they were wrong. And maybe Florida still gets back in before the season's done. But even at nine and three, it's it's not a given that you can be a top 25 team. And I don't think there's any chance they could beat Georgia two Saturdays from now. This This is a really ugly year for Florida upon having won the SEC East last year and trying to sell it as recently as a couple of weeks ago of look how, how close we played against Alabama. Look what that proves about us. The, the decision to bring back Todd Grantham's defensive coordinator for Dan Mullen after he got torched so much in those final games 
It just looks like an unmitigated disaster. And I don't know anybody in the SEC who couldn't have told them that to begin with. Florida fans would have told them on that. Georgia fans certainly licked their chops with the idea that Todd Grantham was coming back as defensive coordinator. Most of the rest of the SEC probably felt the same way. And to make matters worse for Florida, all of this is happening, their own inability to really build something that lasts. All of this is happening at a time in which Florida State is just the absolute dregs. Miami's not much better. Neither of those fan bases are very happy with the state of their situation right now. And yet Florida can't use this as an opportunity to, to take advantage of the situation. And listen, I hope Georgia shows no mercy on them whatsoever. And I know people are going to bring up like 2002 and 2003 and years in which Georgia appeared to have the better team and lost the game against Florida. Obviously, there's a part of me that will be thinking about that too. I've said before, I can't completely deny my nature and all of this. There's a part of me that will just always think about what could go wrong. But beyond that, man, I got a taste for blood two Saturdays from now. We are big believers in how big of a rivalry George is for Florida. It's fun to beat them. Man, it's even more fun to really throttle and really clobber them. And just to win enough alone, just to win alone may not quite be enough for me. I, I love the idea of taking, you know, that Florida face and rubbing, you know, rubbing, uh, rubbing them in the dirt next Saturday. It just seems very, very appropriate for Georgia, especially as a revenge for what you know, losing the game last year and everything along those lines. I think things are not good for Florida. And it's Georgia's job in two Saturdays to make it even worse. Uh, one more SEC through story to uh, get to here for you just really quickly. Boy, how about the disaster that goes down in Neyland Stadium on Saturday? And it's kind of funny to watch the media on this because, like, on the one hand, there's the tis tisking, and it's not a good thing, right? You can't be throwing trash all over the field. But some of the same media who are, you know, uh, uh, some of the same media who were like just hammering Tennessee and the fans for the behavior also had a thousand jokes about the whole thing there as well. It was hard to turn away from, it, in other words, even though the actual behavior itself was reprehensible on the part of the balls and really a, a marring of what had been a great day at Neyland Stadium, huge crowd, loud crowd. Uh, the game itself was really pretty good. You know, horrible decision by Joe Milton at the end of the game not to throw the ball. And you want the definition of irony? Think about this for a moment. The game almost ended early because Tennessee fans wouldn't stop throwing things. And yet the game ultimately ended because Tennessee quarterback, the one guy in the building who is supposed to throw something, didn't. Like, really ponder that for a moment. That's, that's true irony there. And obviously – Lane Kiffin, the Ole Miss coach, just just ate the whole thing up. Like nobody plays the heel better than he does, carrying that golf ball around with him the entire time. Uh, he's obviously having a great time with all of that, and so he was clearly eating all of that up. And uh, that was certainly a, a quite a memorable night there in the SEC. It's one of those things where I got home late from uh, Athens, as most of you did there as well, and so. I'm listening to the Braves game on the radios. I'm driving back. So I've actually kind of taken my attention off college football for a minute and focused on what the Braves are doing. And then I get home and like the whole world is like, like anytime that like you go on Twitter and you just see like Neyland stadium trending, you're like, Oh gosh, what is this about? And so you find out pretty quickly what's going on there. And it was really a, it was really a messy scene. Cheerleaders had to leave the, the worst Visual of the whole thing is the one cheerleader who was like running off the field, like holding the go Vol sign over her head to keep from getting pelted by shrapnel. Like that's not a good look. The, the band had to leave. 
course, there are a lot of folks around college football who got so tired of Rocky Top over the years. If they knew the Neyland Stadium ban leaving was an option, they would have probably punched that button sometime before now. But either way, an ugly scene there in Neyland Stadium on Saturday, the kind of thing the entire world of college football was certainly talking about. Obviously, no Georgia coming up this Saturday, but there is a slate of SEC games that we will give our attention to as the week goes on. And that plus what Monday Night Football tonight, playoff baseball, including the Braves, continue to roll through. Your chance to get some action down on all that with my friends at BetUS. And when you use the promo code DN125, the DN stands for Dog Nation, the 125 stands for the 125% bonus you're going to get. Use the promo code DN125. You can get that 125% initial sign-up deposit bonus. That is more money in your account you started with. You put in 100, they're going to put in 125 on top of that. That gives you $225 right there. It's just a kind of a simple explanation for how all this works. They are literally putting more money into your account than you're putting in there. So you're a winner before you even win your first bet. That's what BetUS does. They're just America's most beloved sports book, have been for more than 25 years. You don't get to be that if you're not taking really good care of your players. And BetUS is, including you, when you sign up for the first time. DN125, the promo code. Get the 125% initial sign-up bonus. Check out BetUS.com for more details on that. And as we get ready to wrap up our program here today, let's do so with some pretty cool golden shoes here for a moment. I've gotten so many good ones, and it's going to take us forever just to kind of show all the really good stuff that we're getting. But between Jordan Davis, Florida losing, cocktail party coming up, Tennessee fans just acting the fool. Uh, We've gotten so many good ones here. I'll shout out Bulldog Rob here for a moment, who actually shared, this is not so much funny as it is, I guess it's, I guess it's funny to the degree that it trolls Florida fans, but CBS put this graphic out that all season long, Georgia's only given up 46 points. Florida gave up 49 on Saturday. That was a CBS graphic on Saturday, and Bulldog Rob shared that with me, so we'll give him a golden shoe win for doing that. Our buddy Mad Dog. Mad Dog had another funny one that I didn't show, but it was um, – there's like a driving range of like trash just being spewed all over Neyland Stadium or like a facsimile of Neyland Stadium. That was a funny thing. But he also shows you here Dan Mullen running from the Tigers on Saturday. So uh, that was clearly a problem for Florida and a good chance to mock uh, Danny Mullet right there for that. So we'll do that with our buddy Mad Dog. Uh, our buddy, uh, buddy uh, Sugar Ray also had a good one too of um, – this is, takes a little hard, a little bit to explain, but – so you got uh, Lane Kiffin holding up the golf ball instead of Titleist, the the company that makes the golf balls typically, which I don't think the Tennessee fans even listen. I think if Georgia fans ever get in trouble, they're going to be you know throwing the Pro V ones. The, the the Tennessee fans probably throwing the range balls more so. But you can see there on the screen it says Titleist L E S S. Tennessee obviously has won an SEC championship since, what, 1998, I don't guess. So uh, haven't won the East in what seems like 100 years either. So, yes, they have been title S for quite some time. Funny stuff from Sugar Ray on that. Uh, Josh Stevens also mocking Florida fans, saying the only way they're going to get to that SEC championship with the, with the ticket, using a popular meme to do so. So lots of really good golden shoes today. Congratulations to all of our winners. And speaking of those lousy, stinking Gators, there will be, as we've said before, Cobra Kai style, no mercy coming up two Saturdays from now, 12 days away. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. We appreciate you being here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia. And thanks for tolerating the somewhat odd circumstances of not being in our studio. Brand new studio on the way in a few days' time. So we're parked here at home for right now. But we appreciate you being at home with us here as well. And we'll see you again tomorrow.